his confidence, knowing that while we are at home, probably are absent from the Lord. We are confident, yes, well, he is back to be absent from the body as he calls us to. what he has done, but he's doing Good afternoon. What a passage of Scripture. What a passage of Scripture. And, you know, I think about a lot of things, and it's kind of interesting. This wasn't the sermon that I had planned a few weeks ago to present on today. But, you know, things happen in your life, and you think, oh, just this and just that. And most of my sermons are planned out a long ways in advance, so know what I'm going to be doing and where I'm going. But, um, you know, it is kind of interesting. Things happen, and one of the things happened, as you know, a friend of mine, a preacher of the gospel, Darren Weiser, passed away. And I don't know, when I was first preaching, I wouldn't have considered him a young man. But at my age now, I consider him a young man, about in his mid-50s. And, uh, you know, I think about how important it is to be ready. Be ready. You don't know what the day will bring. Um, you know, talking to Kathy, his wife, and then Brendan, their son, just the other day. Uh, you know, he went to bed and everything. Everything was good. Kathy was in bed. I think Darren was working a little bit on some stuff on a laptop. And anyway, one thing went to another, and he just asked her to was having some chest pain stuff, asked her to call 911, and by the time uh, paramedics got there, there was nothing they could do, just had a massive heart attack. Guess if you're going to go, that's the way to go, maybe. But, uh, you know, you think about that, and I think about how important it is to be ready. And, you know, this passage talks about that. We have to be men and women of faith, and we have to understand what we do because we're Christians, reflects on Christ and reflects on every member of the congregation we're a member of. Reflects on the church as a whole worldwide, but uh, primarily to the people we're closest to. So you think about that, walk by faith and not by sight. And it even mentions in verse 8, and I appreciate it in the reading uh, that Ben put emphasis on that, that we prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. You know, it. I'm with Caleb. Snow is beautiful. Some people, anytime it snows, they think everything went south in a hurry. <clears throat> but you guys, everyone has their own preferences physically. I'll take this over 95 degrees any day of the week. Uh, it's just to each their own. But I tell you what, I can't even imagine what it's going to be to be with the Lord. And how important that is when he makes that point. But the main point I wanted us to see in this passage of Scripture comes from verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone in this room is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you what, it's important you don't live close to sin. You need to get as far away from it as you can. 
Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. I like the King James best on that verse when it says we need to abstain from every appearance of evil. We can argue, well, we're not doing it. Well, you shouldn't even be where it's going on. You shouldn't be where it's questionable. You know, there's some things. Let's say I walked around every day. You saw me. I had a can of Budweiser in my hand, but I never drank. But I always had a can of Budweiser in my hand. What would everybody think? The appearance is, therefore, it's sinful, and Christians shouldn't do it. And so you think about that. He says, we're going to be judged for those things. Matter of fact, it says right here in this passage, it says that um, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, good or bad. It doesn't sound like there's much in the middle. Good or bad? That's one reason I like to teach kids' class, younger people's class, because you usually don't have to go around a bunch of foolish adult reasoning and think about what's the gray area. they got it figured out what's good and bad. Now, the only problem is if they listen to adults teach them long enough, they'll start being confused about that. But good and bad. It doesn't take high intelligence to figure that out, but it does take honesty. And so I think about that. Are we ready to stand before the judgment seat of God? Oh, there's so many passages, and we're going to look at a few of them because I want you to see them with your own eyes. But I want you to see something. Of course, the question is, are you ready? But I want you to know the Lord is ready for judgment. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Listen to this. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Is the Lord ready? Now, I don't want to be silly. I, it always bugs me when people say, well, I'm going to leave that judgment up to the Lord. The Lord already gave me his judgments all right here. He's not going to come up with something new. He's not going to come up with something different. He's not going to be do anything contrary to what he's given us in his judgment. His judgment is there. I mean, it is what it is. Well, he might, no, there's no might about it. It's going to be what he said. And if I've got what he says, then I know what is just. I know, I know right now, if my life ends while I'm preaching this sermon, I've only ever heard of one preacher dying while he's preaching. That'd be the way to go. I know plenty of people who preached, went home, was pooped out afterwards, took a nap, and never got up again. That'd be okay, too. Sleep your way right into eternity. But you think about that, we've got to be ready, and we've got to understand he's ready, and he's already passed. So I know right now, if my life ends, what my judgment will be, because I know the book. I know what he said. Now, I can be dishonest and not be sincere and fool myself. Well, who, you know who's going to get an answer to that? Me. So let's look at a couple things. We must be ready. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to finally go to Matthew 25, which deals with the judgment at the end of time. This is just going to be judgment as we go, but I want you to listen to this in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 42, 43, and 44, and we need to lock these types of thoughts in our head. Therefore, be on the alert. Be on the alert. What's that mean? 
Better watch out. When you pull out on this road, you better be on the alert. Isn't that right, Georgina? Because there'll be a motorhome come past here and like to run you over. And that was all Irma's doing, but yeah. But you got to be on the alert because there's crazy people out there driving like lunatics. But that's not what he's talking about. Be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Better be ready now. You think about the passage we just read. Oh, it'd be, be fine if he come right now. There's some people, maybe even people in this room, says, oh, I pray he doesn't come now. Well, then you better take care of it. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would have not allowed us, the house, to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at the hour which you do not think he will come. A lot of people, boy. Now, he wouldn't come at that time. Another passage I think about almost every time whenever I'm putting a sermon together or a funeral service is uh, James 4 and verse 14. Life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. Doesn't make any difference how old you live to be compared to eternity. It's nothing. Life is a vapor. And then I think of another one over in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. We must all. Do you got that? Are you part of the all? We must all, bald-headed people, people who wear glasses, people that are young, people that are old. You can make any kind of list you want. We must all appear before the judge. Which one of us are going to get a sidestep that? We're all going to be answerable. You know, today it seems like there's no consequence for things people do. They're going to answer. You know, I think about that. I, I don't do it much because it aggravates me. About I watch the news. I turn the news on to see what the weather person, I have a hard time calling them weather person. Most of them, ones I watch are women, but I still call them weathermen. That's kind of weird. But anyway, the weather person and someone says, well, they're never right. Well, I still believe. I personally believe that's the most accurate part of the weather, uh, most accurate part of the news, the weather. Now, you laugh, but I'm serious. That is, as wrong as it is, as often as it's more accurate than anything else that's on the news. And But I'm telling you what, I, I'm not saying all the people who report the news, but the first of all, I think they're supposed to report the news, not make the news. And you know, you're going to, I don't care what occupation you're in, whatever it is, you're lying to people, you're going to stand before God and answer for that. I don't care what your lie is. And people say, well, I didn't really lie. I just didn't tell the truth. That is a lie. If you don't speak the truth, I like this term, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that's a lie. So we've got to speak the truth. Now, we've got to speak it in love, right? But we've got to speak the truth. We must all appear before the judgment seat of God. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, well, matter of fact, turn over that. That's a good one. I just want you to see it with your own eyes. I can quote it real quick. But I want you to see it, so maybe it'll help you remember a little bit. Some of you are visual learners. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. What's it say? It's appointed for men to die once. 
Is anything coming after you're dead? No, you're just like Rover. You're dead all over. No, it's not like that. After it, for mankind, for all of us humans, after death comes judgment. Now, let me tell you what. Judgment's a good thing if you're right with God. And it's horrible if you're not. And after death, there won't be the chance to change your judgment. we got to be ready for that judgment. I don't care who you are in this room, from the oldest to the little bitty one back there. I've done funerals for people your age. Don't think you're immune to dying. We have a heart, we usually think, well, you know, I'm this age, my parents lived to be about this age, so I probably got this many more years left. Is that right? You know, there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people dying in car accidents going home from church today. Now, I pray none of us, but let's don't be silly. Anything can happen. We've got to be ready because after it comes judgment. So I think about that, the idea of being ready. There's a few passages I want us to look at that maybe will help us to be ready and maybe help us to, if we're not ready, take care of things so we get ready. If you're not ready for something, then it's time to get ready for it, right? You know, you think, you think about that. Well, I wasn't ready for it, so I better get... You know, when you look at the snowfall out here, by the middle of the week, it's pretty much all going to be gone because I think Wednesday's supposed to be like 50 degrees or something. So it's pretty much going to be gone. It, when I lived in Alaska, usually early to mid of October, you usually got snow. If you didn't get everything picked up in the yard, you forgot what was in it till you saw it again late next April. Because it got on it, and there was snow on it till then, solid the whole time. There was just snow for those months. So if you didn't get ready for winter and get everything out of the yard, you're not going to find it again. So you had to get ready to do that. Now we look at this, so I got to be ready for what comes after death. So hopefully we can look at some passages that help us to be ready, and if we're not ready, to get ready. Second Peter chapter 3, oh, this, this passage is powerful. If we had time, we'd back up and read more of it. But we're going to read 10 and 11. This is pretty plain. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And we already looked at a passage like that in Matthew 24, didn't we? In which, what's going to happen when he comes back? The heavens will pass away. Early this morning, man, I looked up at stars. We had a beautiful, clear sky this morning early. We had a beautiful, clear sky all through the night. The stars were off the chart. I love to look at the stars. Every time I look at the stars and the moon, it reminds me of David in the Psalms, like Psalm 8, verse 5. Three, when I consider the moon and the stars, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visiteth him? Who are we when I look at all this stuff? But the heavens, they're going to pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. What you and I know here, we got insurance on this church house. It won't cover it that day. Everything, it's gone, burned up. You know, now you can put things, you can burn things, you can burn on some things, but if you burn it up, that means it's gone, doesn't it? You burn it up. 
And then he says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. Let's understand, I'm not making it up. I don't care what a bunch of people with a premillennial mindset has to say about refining. It's going to be destroyed. Then what sort of people ought we to be? And then he explains what sort of people. In holy conduct and godliness. I say this all the time. You know, Jesus left heaven and come to this earth. And he lived on this earth. And you and I, since we're Christians, that means we try every day as much as we can to be as much like Christ, because that's what it means, right? So you get, So I wouldn't be in any situation or stay in any situation that Jesus wouldn't stay in. I would, shouldn't, wouldn't be having things come out of my mouth, wouldn't be coming out of his mouth. I wouldn't be thinking things he wouldn't be thinking. You got to spend some time in the book so you can know who he is, so you can know who you're to be. And then you'll take your whole life to be more. I tell you, one of the greatest things about going to heaven, in a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be made just like him. I've lived a life, a little over 50 years now, of being a Christian, trying hard and failing miserably as much like Jesus as I could be, and in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be made just like him. You guys are going to say, and you said miracles have ceased. <laughs> no kidding. Well, when we step on that side, it's all a big miracle, isn't it? And how great and awesome that is. But we've got to be ready. And it ought to make us think, since I know all these things, since I know judgment days are coming, since I know life will end, since I know the earth is going to be destroyed, since I know everything, what kind of people, what sort of person should I be? I ought to conduct myself wholly. That's like the Lord. That's like God. He is holy. Therefore, we're to be holy. And I've got to remember to be godly. Now, it's also interesting. So how am I going to be judged? Who's going to judge me? United States Supreme Court? Not on that day. Matter of fact, John 12, verse 48 says the words he spoke, Jesus spoke, will judge us. Well, where do I find those words? I got a Bible of them. And he just doesn't mean the words written in red. Okay? It includes the words written in red, the things that came out of Jesus' mouth. But let's understand, Paul, when he would write to the church in Corinth, he lets them know that what he writes is the same as what Jesus said. Carries the same cred credentials, same credibility, same authority. Because it's inspired, God breathed, as Paul wrote to Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God. And so we look at that. So I want to see what this book says because I'm going to be judged by this. Now, I, I feel sorry for people. I know I was spoiled. I'll tell you that right now. I was spoiled because I was raised in a Christian home. And I went to Bible class and worship all my life. And I had Bible teachers. Whew, some of them I thought they were mean and hard-nosed who made you memorize verses. And they make you stand up in that class and quote it before everybody every week. And my mama wouldn't give you no cut, no slack either. When Letha Tribby was my teacher, she would remind me, well, her mama was my teacher when I was a little kid, and she made me do the same thing, so get it done. Now, I can quote a bunch of them verses. I can still tell you, and I'll quote them all in King James because that's what I was using then. Now, some of mine can also quote New American Standard because I use it a lot. But I learned, I cut my teeth on those things. 
because some people thought, some brethren, some Bible class teachers, some members of the church believed that knowledge of God's Word, there is no substitute for it. Now, I didn't say just knowing the book's enough because you've also got to obey it. Listen, that isn't even where it stops. And you've also got to share it. But first, before you can obey it and share it, you got to know it. So we've got to get in the book, and there's no excuse. I don't care. I've been a member of the church, like I said, 50-plus years. But if I've been a Christian a year, should I, did I have enough time to learn some of it? I better know a whole lot more than I did a year earlier. What if I've been a Christian for five years? I better know it a whole lot more than I knew it in a year. What ten? You want me to keep going? I think you guys got the idea. Since this is how I'm going to be judged, you know, if I'm going to compete in this, I don't like competing in sports. I don't know what the rules are. I want to know the rules before we start. And I found out in playing and coaching sports, the better I know the rules, the better advantage I have. That's the same thing right here. I want to know what the Lord wants. I want to know what the Lord, what pleases Him. Just a few more passages. Turn, I told you we'd get to Matthew 25. I'm going to read several verses here. I'm going to emphasize a few of them. But turn with me to Matthew 25, and I'm going to pick up at verse 31. The first one I'm really going to emphasize is in verse 34. But listen to me as I begin to read at verse 31 of Matthew 25. But when the Son of Man, that's Jesus, comes in His glory and all His angels with Him. How many angels come with Jesus? All of them. How many said, I don't know. More than He needs. Yeah, I know. I bought a myriad of myriads. Okay, all the angels, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. America? Mexico? Iran? South Africa? All the nations. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, not country from country. And he don't care what color you are. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. That reminds me of that little song I like to sing. I don't want to be a goat. I just want to be a sheep. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Tim likes old Glenn Hitchcock's. You can't live like a goat and die like a sheep. I can tell you they both stink. But anyway. Then the king, this represents God, will say to those on his right, the sheep, I think I know who the good shepherd is, come you who are blessed in my father, of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come on. And enjoy this whole kingdom that's been prepared even before we began the earth. And then he explains something to us. He explains how simple Christianity is. Here it is. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord... When did we see you hungry and fed you and thirsty 
and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? When we do this, the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So how do we serve the Lord? By serving others the way the Lord served them. It doesn't mean we accept everything they do, but we give them what they need. Is that different than giving them what they want? So what does he go on to say? Then he will also say to those on his left, uh-oh, these are the goats. I don't want to be a goat. Depart from me, accursed one, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Who was hell prepared for? The devil and his angels. But you know where those who are not righteous are going to spend eternity? The, in the place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't want a part of that. And then he goes through the whole thing. You saw me all this way, hungry and thirsty and a stranger, and they, but you didn't do anything for me. And they will answer, when did we not do? When did we see you like that? And it go, ends by saying, verse 46, these will go away into eternal How long is eternal? Never ever stops you ever had pain some kind of pain women let's say this is what happens so you go into childbirth and you do it the way people always used to do it no drugs suff it out hard breathing get it on think about the worst pain in childbearing and let's say it started and to this day, that pain's never been relieved. Think you'd had a second one? You say, would someone shoot me? You, you can put up with a pretty high bit of pain for a short amount of time. But you can watch, I can watch people here that have certain kind of pain that just stays with them and stays with them. And it wears them out and beats them down. And it just gets worse and worse. I tell people, you know, I, I've not dealt with a lot of pain in my life. Sometimes I bust my finger real bad. And, you know, oh, man, I know it's going to hurt. But it always amazes me. Man, I could smash my finger real bad and something. I mean, where it blew it out and thumbnail and all that. Oh, man. I do not understand why you go in, when you go to bed, it intensifies 150 times. And your heart jumps right to your thumb goes, boom, 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 boom. You know... I'm telling you what, you can handle any pain if you can sleep through it. But if you can't, you ain't going to sleep through eternity. You're either going to be comforted and enjoy the greatest glory of all time, or the turmoil, pain, and suffering is not going to let you get any rest forever. Always aggravates me when people say, well, you know, a loving God would not eternally punish anyone. Well, verse 46, this is what the Bible says. These will go away to eternal punishment. But listen to this. But the righteous to eternal life. Amen. So think about a few passages. Some of them we know pretty well. Some of them I'm going to turn to. But I want you to think about this. Matthew 7 and verse 21 says, not everyone 
that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So just go say, Lord, save me. Oh, God's so great. I love the Lord. Therefore, I told you that, so I'm going to be saved. Well, that passage says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. But he that what? Does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Well, how do I know what his will is? He says, Kendall, I know you're not very bright, but I wrote it down for you. Here it is. Now, I've owned a Bible. I'll never remember not having a Bible my whole life. I remember when I was a kid and we had vacation Bible school. Whatever boy and whatever girl, because see, we still believe there were boys and girls in those days. Whatever boy and whatever girl brought the most visitors got a Bible that year. I looked around. I guess I've lost my through the years, but I had Bibles from VBS. Now, I know why they did a boy and a girl, because usually the girls brought five times more than the boys. But you look at that, and you have this Bible. So if I've had a Bible since I was a kid, is there any excuse for me not having an idea what's said in it? It always bugs me when people try to tell me, well, you know, I believe. I said, have you read the Bible? You mean the whole thing? Well, let's just, how much of it have you think you've read in your lifetime? Not much. I said, well, then why are you trying to tell me what the Bible says? You don't even know what it says. That's just like people sometimes jump away from the Bible. Constitution of the United States of America, it's relatively short. I got people telling, quote me what it says, it's not even what it says. You know why I know what it says? I've read the thing. I know what it says. I can get you a copy of it. We can pull it up on my phone real quick, and you can read it for yourself. You pick the amendment, we'll read it. That's what it says. Well, I think, I don't care what you think. I'm telling you what it says. Now, it's a shame that they've taken some things that were meant for other things, and we've destroyed it, not through justice, but through legality. There's a big difference between a justice system and a legal system. Let me make sure you know, you are not going to stand before God and be judged through a legal system. You're going to stand before God and be judged through a justice system. You're going to get what is justly yours unless the blood of Christ has forgiven you your sins. Otherwise, you're getting justice. And you'll deserve everything you get. Or we can receive the forgiveness of sin in Christ and receive everything his life deserves. I want, that, I want to get in that line. No matter what you do for me from this time forward on this earth, I, want to get, I don't care what it costs, that line's the line to be in. Because this is temporary. Temporary means it's going to end. Look to, this is a passage I use a lot. Whenever I'm sitting in a cemetery and some of the last words you say for a body's laid to rest that as far as I can tell is a faithful member of the Lord's church. I don't get to preach anybody into heaven. I don't preach anybody into hell. I just preach the word. I can tell you what I know about them because the Bible says you shall know them by their fruits. But I know I don't know anybody in this room like God knows anybody in this room. And whatever he decides is good by me. But this passage, listen, I love this. I, I read this verse every once in a while because it's just so good. Revelation 14, 13. And then we got one other passage we're going to look at. I'll probably just mention it. We probably won't even turn to it. 
But Revelation 14, 13, listen to this. Now, I know this is John receiving this vision, this message, but think how important this first statement is. And I heard a voice from heaven. Now, let me ask you this. If you heard a voice from heaven, do you think there's a good chance you ought to pay attention? And I heard a voice from heaven. Now, he wasn't hearing things, okay? He heard a voice from heaven. Here's what it was saying. Write. That's a good deal. He wants other people to be able to read this. So he wanted him to write this down so you and I could read this. Blessed are the dead. What? What do you mean? Oh, it's good to be dead. What? Read on. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. We talked about how you get in the Lord, right? You look in God's word, who the Son of God is, you believe it with all your heart, you confess it with your own mouth, you repent, and are baptized into Christ. And then once you're raised up out of that watery grave, you know what you do? The rest of your life, you do all you can do to stay in Christ. And when you, because of sin, break fellowship and are about outside, you confess, repent, and return to your right relationship. So this is only for those who die in the Lord. Blessed are those who, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. I live after this was written. Did you know that? A little over 1,900 years after this was written. Yes, says the Spirit. Now I know where it came from. I already knew where it came from. So that they may rest from their labors... Are we supposed to work for the Lord till the day we die? Even when you're in your 90s, Irma, you're supposed to, yeah. But when you get there, you're going to rest from your labors, and here's why. Isn't that so important? For your deeds, what's that? Things you've done. The deeds, their deeds will follow them. Does God know what you do? Does God know why you do it? You know, I think about a lot of things. Let's say I put a big check in the plate today. Put a big check. Boy, it's a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money. And I put it in the check today. But I put a stipulation on it. I'm willing to put a check. I'm willing to give you this check for all this money if you put a little plaque outside on the building. I'm going to pay off what you owe on the building if you put a little plaque on there that gives honor to my name. You tell me, keep your stick. First of all, here's what I know. If I did that, God won't give me any credit for it. Because the Bible says if you give to be seen of men and men sees it, that was your reward for it. Now, it doesn't mean it's wrong for someone to check falls on the floor. You see what I give? I don't care. I don't flash it around for anyone. I don't care. You know, I know some people know what I give. I know Caleb has to know what I give because he makes the deposits. I know my bank knows what I give because they push money through. I know Bank of Washington knows what I give because they get my money. I know IRS knows what I give because I take advantage of that deduction. So I don't do it for those people to know what they know what I give, but that's not why I give. If I'm going to make, so I think about how important that is. Our deeds will follow us, but we better make sure our deeds aren't for show and blow, because if it is, that's all you get. 
Now, do we need to be seen of men? Yeah. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Tell you how good you are. No, glorify your Father who's in heaven. You want to give Him all the glory. We spent a little time on that this morning, right? I'm thankful what we've accomplished. I'm thankful for your sacrifices. But let's all be real. It's not what we did. It's what He did with us. And we give Him all the glory because it wouldn't be possible unless He blessed us with all He blessed us with. So I think about that. So those who die in the Lord, they're going to get a rest. They're going to have recliners in heaven. They get a rest from their labors. You're done doing work when you get there. Till then you work, but you're done working when you get there. And your deeds, so does he notice your work when you're here? Yes, he does. So one last passage. It's over in uh, Matthew 24 and verse 13. He just tells us plain and simple, those who endure to the end will be saved. Now, I want you to think about that from this morning's lesson. God knows what we did yesterday. But that doesn't excuse us from what we need to do today. We've got to be faithful when? To the end. Till you're dead or till Jesus returns. We better remember that every day. And that means you don't live by sight, you live by faith. You do what the book says, no matter what the cost. If we can help you in any way today in your relationship with God, to either become a Christian or be restored back to right relationship with Him or prayers that you might be strong enough to do what God's called you to do, if we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.